tonight we're going to obviously this is this is our Christmas message. It's that time of year, uh, but we're gonna instead of the kind of traditional, um, you know, uh, there was no room at the inn message that you might hear out of uh, Luke chapter two. We're gonna we're gonna do something a little different tonight. We're gonna look at this Christmas story through the eyes of the prophet Isaiah, and we're gonna be in Isaiah nine verses one through seven, if you want to get your Bible ready once we get there. And by the way, if you want to grab the message guide real quick, it's in the chat right now. Uh, there's a PDF, you can print it off and you'll have it good to go. Before we get into Isaiah, I want to have a quick conversation about this guy. And you probably recognize the guy on your screen right now. Um, his name, of course, is Harlan Sanders. And Harlan Sanders is the founder of what we know as Kentucky Fried Chicken, but you may not know his story. So Harlan Sanders was uh, born into poverty and um, did not, certainly did not have uh, rich beginnings. He, he was very poor when he was young. Um, his father died when he was just six years old. And by the time he was 10 years old, he was already working and helping to support the family. Uh, he was also active in taking care of household chores and things of that nature, um, simply out of necessity because his father was gone. And one of the things you might imagine that he learned to do at a very young age was cook. Well, he also, in 1906, lied about his age and joined the army. And he was stationed in Cuba. And I thought that was quite interesting uh, because I've been to Cuba. And one of the things that I found tremendously interesting when I was in Cuba is their primary cooking method are pressure cookers. I don't know if you know this or not, but that actually plays into the Kentucky Fried Chicken story. So uh, he gets out of the army, he comes home, and Harlan's a bit of an entrepreneur. He keeps trying to start things. And in the 1930s, he owned a gas station. He actually had a contract with Shell. Um, and had a little gas station that it was just struggling along. And um, after some time, he literally took a single table, put it out front of his restaurant and, um, or of his gas station and started serving food at a single table in front of his restaurant. And that was his very first foray into food service. Now, ironically, um, he did not serve fried chicken. And he didn't serve fried chicken because he felt like it took too long to make. But through his 11 secret herbs and spices that he came up with, combined with the pressure cooker that, although I can't prove it, I'm pretty sure he got exposed to uh, in a serious way while he was in Cuba, he created what we know as the Kentucky Fried Chicken original recipe. And he took that idea um, on the road in 1952. So he never really hit it big. He, he kind of just struggled through. And at age 65, he was on Social Security earning $105 a month. And he decided to take his chicken idea on the road and try to sell franchises. And he did that. And he sold his very first franchise to a friend of his in Salt Lake City, Utah. And the commission for his chicken franchise was a whopping four cents per chicken. That's what he was charging. And um, 
This guy in Salt Lake City implemented his recipe and quite frankly, his business improved by 75%. Uh, and it was actually that guy in, in Utah who came up with the name Kentucky Fried Chicken and who created the iconic red and white striped bucket that we all know from Kentucky Fried Chicken. But Harlan Sanders was born into poverty and didn't make it big in, uh, in business until he was a senior citizen um, and on Social Security. And quite frankly, he didn't become a millionaire until he was in his 80s. Yeah, so started pretty late in life. Now I want to see how that's going to tie into today's message. So let's jump over to Isaiah. And we're going to start in verse 1. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and read Isaiah 9, verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Now, before we get too deep into the scripture, I first want to kind of make sure we all know who this Isaiah was. Isaiah was a prophet. Um, so he spoke for God and God spoke through him to all of Israel. Uh, one of the things I think that's important to remember is that Isaiah lived over 700 years before Christ. So, um, as we go through this, it's so interesting to me that, that God would speak through someone 700 years before he would send his son for us. And you'll notice um, that most of the verbs, especially as we move forward in this scripture, are in the past tense. So here you have a man living 700 years before Jesus talking in past tense as if things have already happened to describe for us the impact of Jesus on our, on our lives and on our culture. Um, and quite frankly, of course, Isaiah was a prophet. He was a seer. He, through God, saw the future. And as far as he was concerned, it had already happened. So I guess it shouldn't surprise us that he talks in past tense, but it is interesting. So as we start off this scripture, I think, I think the one thing that is noteworthy here, right in verse 1, is that Isaiah says that the in the future, we will honor Galilee of the nations. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Galilee was not a Jewish area. Uh, it was actually uh, it was a, a, a land that was dominated by Gentiles, and they were very much looked down upon, especially during this time period, 700 years before Jesus was born. This was an area that they would have considered to be of low stature. Um, they would look down on those people as being less spiritual, um, certainly less pure than Judea. So it's interesting right off the bat, or at least noteworthy, that the future, in the future, we will honor Galilee. That would have caught some attention of the listeners who were listening to Isaiah at the time, because that's not where you would think good news would come from. The other thing I want you to realize is as Isaiah mentioned Zebulun and then Naphtali, and as we move forward, you'll notice that the good news is set with the backdrop of war and strife. And I think that's important to the message. Um, and let's see how that plays out. But I want you to just 
as we listen to the scripture, be aware of that and see how that changes uh, maybe your uh, the way you see what Isaiah is about to tell us. So in verse 2, I'm going to pick up. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. Now there's some interesting language here. And the first of course is this uh, idea of light. And for much of history, Israel had really struggled um, to see the heart of God. And this light that was about to dawn was going to reveal the heart of God to everyone, but especially to Israel, right? It was, it was going to, Jesus was going to be a revealer um, of this light. So here's my first question of the evening. And so I'm hoping that you'll run to the chat box and type in an answer for me. When you met Jesus, what darkness was driven out of your life? And if you absolutely cannot chat, uh, you can't get to it, don't know how to get to it, uh, you're driving a semi and it would be dangerous to get to it, um, please feel free to unmute yourself for a moment, give an answer, and then um, afterwards re-mute re yourself. Anyone, anyone have an example of darkness that was in your life that was driven out because of your encounter with Jesus? So um, <laughs> this is this is awesome. So you guys can't hear my wife because she's running the background for me, but she said resentment and bitterness towards my husband. That's fantastic, honey. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's great. That's awesome. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving on that note. That was great. All right. So <laughs> moving on, Isaiah says that um, Jesus was good news of great joy to all people. But as we mentioned, Isaiah's revelation was about um, the coming of Christ. It had this backdrop of war and strife. And I'm wondering, have you ever experienced joy in the midst of pain? Has there ever been a time when your life seemed like a war zone and yet you experienced joy. And I'm hoping that you will go to the chat. Um, I know for me, uh, one of the most difficult times in my life uh, came when God needed to teach me a little bit about who was really in control, uh, especially of my career. Quite frankly, uh, at that time in my life, um, I thought that my accomplishments were the result of my hard work. Um, and God wanted to make sure that I understood that it was his grace, um, that was 
the reason that I was successful and not my own work. And so in the midst of a very difficult time when God said, okay, if you think it's all about you, then I'm going to, I'm going to take that away for a little while. Uh, and there was a point in my life when quite frankly, I, I don't think I could have gotten a job, um, seriously, um, doing anything. There was literally, um, no one who had an interest in hiring me for, for a period of time. And God needed to just speak to me a little bit. It, but in the midst of that, I learned, I got closer to God and I learned lessons and learned about my marriage, learned about people and experienced joy far beyond anything I had ever experienced in my entire life. So in the midst of my own personal struggles, I had more joy than I ever had. Uh, so I'm hoping again that you guys will jump into the chat and help me uh, with a story or if anyone anyone have another story that they'd like to share how you've experienced joy in the midst of pain? I can share a story. So um, I know there was a moment, I can't really share what happened, but there was a moment in my life when I just felt um, I felt rejected. I felt alone. And it was uh, for about eight months, I was just really struggling with finding peace and comfort with all the challenges that I was facing and going through. And for me, I remember like every moment where I would find the time to pray and I would do it about like every 30 minutes. I felt like I just needed it, like water, like <laughs> I've needed to pray because that's when God would really give me comfort. Um, and it's like, I, I just kind of felt like he's hugging me, you know, like he literally is hugging me and comforting. So every time I would feel that attack again, again, I would find that joy of praying. So that moment that I was going through for seven months ended up getting me so close to God and just finding peace in him and his word. Oh, thank, thank you for sharing that. I think that is so important because it's not when things are wonderful, quite frankly, typically that we draw close to, to God. It's not during those times that we grow. It's not during those times that we really, um, you know, become better followers. It's usually in the difficult times. It's when we need God um, that we draw close to him. So, Again, the uh, the imagery here, uh, and if you're not sure, uh, the reference, the day of Midian's defeat, if you guys remember a, uh, a story about a fellow named Gideon, who would take on an incredible army with just a few hundred folks, um, that's the reference here that Isaiah uses in the day of Midian's defeat. Um, but Isaiah is talking about something that will go on beyond just the short term. Um, in verse 5, it says, Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. And that's, a, that's an odd statement. Like, what does that mean? What Isaiah is saying is, hey, all of these implements of warfare, boots, the, the garments rolled in blood, the, the literally the, the things that we use when we wage war, we will never need again. There'll be fuel for the fire. Um, 
a warrior's boots, a, you can't, especially during this time period, there, there was no way to wage war without, I mean, it sounds practical, without the right footwear. Um, so here when Isaiah is saying, hey, even their shoes will be fuel for the fire, he's literally saying, this peace that's coming, this is not a temporary peace. This is not just a lull in the action, some kind of peace treaty. He is saying that war will end. Now, we're still going through that time period. We haven't seen that come to pass yet, but it is coming. And we're going to look at that a little bit more as we move through the verses. Um, but that is encouraging news, at least to me, uh, because there are times in my own battle with the enemy that, quite frankly, I don't feel like I'm winning. Um, and sometimes it, it's hard to keep fighting. I just feel like, man, the devil's beating me up. Um, you know, I don't feel victorious. I, I barely feel like I can raise my head. But knowing that we will win, knowing that Christ wins, that, that our side will be victorious, that's encouraging for me personally, and I hope it is for you as well, to be able to, to lift my head and fight another day knowing that we win. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good news for those of us who are in the midst of the fight. Um, and backing up one verse, uh, there's some beautiful imagery here. Um, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. In so many ways, the devil works to control us. He oppresses us. Uh, he oppresses us by um, trying to destroy our marriages, our relationships with our parents and our children. He tries to destroy our uh, way of income. He tries to, um, he literally comes to kill and destroy. And so I'm wondering in what way did the devil control you that has now been broken? So I'm hoping that you'll go to the chat. In what way did the devil control you that now has been broken? Anyone? All right, so Carlos, I just told you this story, so forgive me. Um, I'm not gonna tell the whole story, but uh, Carlos and I, uh, every, every Thursday, we go out together uh, intentionally looking for people who um, don't yet know Jesus, to talk to them, to share the good news. And um, when we were together just a couple days ago, uh, I told Carlos the story of when I was freed from my nicotine addiction. And I don't have time to tell you that whole story right now, but I can tell you that for 29 years, starting when I was seven years old, um, I was absolutely addicted to cigarettes and everything related to tobacco. Um, and sometime when I have, it's, a, it's about a 15, 20 minute story and there's just no way to tell it quicker than that. It won't give it justice. But that 
control that Satan had on me is completely broken. It is gone. It is destroyed. It doesn't exist anymore. I haven't craved a cigarette uh, 15 years coming this July. Um, and it was taken away instantaneously. And those are the kinds of things that when, when God intervenes in our life and does literally a miracle, and we know that it couldn't have been anything but God, and when, it, and when that control, when Satan loses that control and it's shattered forever, man, that, those are the things that wake us up to the power of God and the glory that he shares with us. So is there anyone else that has any share, uh, story they'd like to share of how the devil used to control you in some area of your life, uh, but now that has completely been broken? You guys are shy tonight. You know, it really sucks that I can't think of anything where that yoke has been completely broken. Um, I mean, I can relate to the nicotine, but I can't say that I'm not, you know, tempted by it from time to time. Um, gosh, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can think of things where it's not near as big of a struggle as it was before, but, man, like, yeah. Um, to say that I'm not being, well, I guess I'm not. I'm not being controlled. Um, but definitely still struggling. It still feels that yoke is on there to some degree. Do you think in your case, in that particular case, do you think, the devil still has control there, or do you think that just your own flesh sometime rises up and grabs a hold of that again? Yeah. Yeah, I guess we give the devil too much credit sometimes. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, a big part of that's just me. Yeah, you know, yeah, the flesh, definitely. Yeah, so there, there are many things in my life that, have decreased um, other than, you know, smoking aside for a second. There are certainly other areas of my life that I've struggled with um, where I've had some victory, but not complete and utter victory. Um, and sometimes it's because the devil's still using that. He knows it's still a weakness in my life. Uh, he's got a foothold. He tries to, um, you know, he tries to leverage my weaknesses and my propensity for sin, just like all of us have. Um, but usually it's, he tempts me and then my flesh rises up and that's when I grab a hold of those things that I struggle with, right? Um, the cool thing about what Isaiah is saying here is this is a permanent destruction of oppression. In other words, that the control, there will come a day when the devil's influence over us will be completely over with. And so I'm very much looking forward uh, to that day for sure. All right, let's go ahead and move on to verse six. Um, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, 
everlasting father, prince of peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Uh, there is so much here. And this is, of course, where uh, I got the title of tonight's message, uh, For Unto Us a Child is Born. Um, and as Isaiah describes this child, um, we don't see the story, like I mentioned, we don't see the story that we would have seen uh, Luke portray, for example. We don't see um, the story of Mary and Joseph and their struggles uh, to find a place literally for Mary to give birth to this wonderful counselor and mighty God. Um, but Isaiah does bring forth these throne names. And it's, it's somewhat interesting. At this, at this time period, there were groups of people who literally would give themselves, the kings of certain regions, um, especially in the Near East, would give themselves names. Um, and of course, they picked their own names. Um, and, and usually, quite frankly, they were kind of silly. Um, so at one point, for example, um, in Egypt, uh, one of the kings uh, crowned himself and uh, called himself the mighty bull and you know great in wonders and you know all these all these names that sounded good but my guess is that the leader probably didn't live up to, to any of those uh, monikers that they gave themselves but Jesus does Jesus lives up to all of these names um, and I want to make sure we we spend a little bit of time examining the four names that Isaiah gives to Jesus here. And the first one is Wonderful Counselor. And um, it's, it's actually the way it's written, it probably would be better to say this wonder of a counselor. In other words, he is such an amazing counselor that it's, a, it's an absolute wonder. It's amazing. Um, the, the word wonder here could also be uh, extraordinary, surpassing, marvelous. Um, so it's, it's a word of great power. It's a word of um, uh, deep, deep meaning. You know, we use the word wonderful uh, kind of flippantly in our culture. It's not necessarily a word that conveys great power, but in this sense, it absolutely was. So, for example, when Abraham and Sarah um, were having a conversation with God, uh, and I won't get into where this was in Scripture, although it, it, um, it is in, it's in Genesis, but it is, I won't get into the story, so I, I mean, uh, but it is, it's a fun story to read because at one point, Sarah kind of is like, almost laughs, like, what, are you kidding me? I'm going to have a baby? That's crazy. Um, and God's response is, is anything too hard? For God? And, and the word hard is really, is anything too extraordinary for God? And that's how this word is used. So he is an extraordinary counselor. Um, 
And if you think about it, that's exactly what we need, isn't it? To, to be able to live our lives because we don't, we don't choose very wisely when we decide how to live our lives. Um, what, what we think we should do with our time is probably not the best plan, but God's plan is perfect in every way. So when Isaiah calls him a wonderful counselor, literally he is saying he is the perfect person to tell you how to live your life. All right, so as we uh, move to the second one here, the next is mighty God. Um, and there was actually, the term God, lowercase g, was sometimes used for kings in this culture, uh, but here clearly that is not what we're talking about. This is uppercase g. We are talking about the mighty God that breathes out stars, the one who created the universe, the, the God who can be everywhere all at once, know every detail about you, how many hairs are on your head, have a conversation with you. It was, it was funny, um, when Carlos and I were together on Thursday, we were, we were saying, you realize that when we leave here, I'll go one direction, you'll go another, and God will be with us both, and he'll carry on a conversation with us both. And that's extraordinary enough, but he can actually carry on a conversation with all 7 billion people if he wants to, all at once. It's absolutely incredible. He really is a mighty, mighty God. Um, and the third is everlasting father. And this might be maybe the most striking, and it literally means father of perpetuity. So not only is he a perfect father, um, but he is a father who is forever. He always has been and always will be. Um, we all have earthly fathers, and those fathers don't last forever. They weren't, they certainly weren't around a hundred years ago or a thousand years ago, like God was, and they leave us, right? Uh, most of us will outlive our earthly fathers. We don't outlive God. Uh, he is forever. And that, the fact that we have a father who is always there, that there is no separation from, that we literally, there is, there is nothing in heaven or in hell that can separate us from our father. That's, that's really good news. And then the last is, of course, Prince of Peace. Um, and right now, it doesn't seem very peaceful, right? There is strife. It's, boy, in this country, we've got a lot of, we don't have much peace, right? We, we have a lot of strife. We have a lot of conflict. But in the midst of that, we have supernatural peace. We know if you're on this side of the cross, if you're on this side of the bridge, if you already have a relationship with Christ, then you can have peace in your heart because regardless of how difficult times get, regardless of what happens with the government, with, I mean, war could break out. It doesn't matter. Somebody could nuke the United States. It wouldn't matter because you know where you're going. You know where you're spending your eternity. And that, that's a, that's a big deal. Again, it's, it's not just peace on earth. Peace on earth is coming. 
It's not here yet. It's coming. But we can have peace in the midst of all this strife while we're still here. And then I want to, before I ask you guys now, I'm about to ask you questions. So I'm hoping that you guys will jump in. The last line that Isaiah says in verse seven is the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Zeal is a word that we don't use very frequently um, in our everyday conversation. Zeal is passion. And in this case, it's passion and love. The zeal of the Lord Almighty is the most passionate love that you can possibly imagine. And it's set on you. God's passionate love for you will accomplish these things. The reason that he sent Christ, the reason he sent his wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, the reason that that son is given to us is because the Lord has in this incredible passionate love for us. which deny it, it absolutely it's 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 crazy to think about because we don't deserve any of it but his passionate love for us is so powerful that he would send his son and so my first question for you is what zeal what passion has god put into your belly so to speak what has he put into you what is that what is that thing what is that cause what is that what is that thing that god cares about that he has put into you for you to care about so i'm opening it up opening it up to chat opening it up if you have a quick answer and can unmute and then remute that's that's cool too what zeal god put in you Carlos, was that you? Yeah. Um, I think uh, one of the thing is for me, especially, is like um, caring people or love loving more uh, people. I think that that is one of God. I say, putting my life. Maybe, I don't know if it's sealed, but I, I think that's, that's yeah. the purpose, you know, like uh, he loves, he wants to um, people uh, reconcile with him, you know. So if we don't have uh, that kind of mind with others, we don't see God, I mean, working in this period of the time you have, you know. So what I so for, what I think you're Carlos is that God has put this love of others in you that you yeah. want to them reconciled to God, and for you, I, I I happen to know your story. You were willing, you and your wife were willing to pick up, take your daughter, and move across the world into a community that is almost entirely Islamic to share the love of Jesus in an, in another land. Yeah, that qualifies as zeal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But I, 
other than that is uh, for me is wherever I am, whatever whatever I stay, whatever I go. That that is what I understand. God put in my life. Okay, you have to remember people about me. Telling telling about me. Yep. It's just telling. Pass the message. So I think that's that's what I I think in this passage is very good. Yeah. So uh, thank you, Carlos. Uh, Lauren put in the chat to help those who are forgotten in society. And I know for you, Lauren, God, God has put you on a path where your career is focused on the forgotten in society. And certainly that um, lines up with scripture. Who, you know, what, what is true religion according to God? True religion is caring for the widows and orphans, the forgotten, those who can't help themselves. Um, and so I think that uh, is an excellent example of uh, a passion that in, in your life that God has put into you. Uh, so my next question, I don't know if anyone's going to want to answer this one, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What counsel, remember that wonderful counselor? What counsel has God given you that you need to heed? What is the, what is the thing? And I'm, if you're brave enough, throw it in the chat. If you're brave enough, let us, let us know. Um, and if not, I want you to think about that. Is there something in your life that God is saying, hey, uh, it would be best if you either started doing this or stopped doing that, but you haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. So I want you, maybe maybe you keep that one to yourself, but think about it. Um, now here's one. I know there are people on this call that have great stories of this. Tell me a way, illustrate a way that you see God as mighty. Oh, God mighty. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, every day. Every day. <laughs> every day when I wake up and say, open my eyes and move it every everywhere where I go in the bathroom, getting my breakfast, everything. That's the power of God. So just literally your everyday yeah, seeing seeing God around you. Yeah. Um I think for me it says this is my my explanation. I don't know if it's okay, but uh, yep. that I see the mighty of mighty of God is working on me because He is giving me the strength every day, right? What yeah. I think. Got it. Well, um, I, I've had some good conversations recently um, with people who haven't heard the stories. They they maybe heard stories of of miracles in the Bible. But they haven't heard any modern day stories. They haven't heard how God shows up for us today. And so um, it has been absolutely wonderful. And I think almost more of a blessing to me, to me as I've been challenged to think of all the miracles that God has performed in my life, where he shows up big in my life or in my friends' or acquaintances' lives, and being able to retell those stories. I mean, sometimes... Uh, I'll get off the phone um, and, and think, my goodness, how, I, I just need to drop to my knees because I'm in awe of who God is, how mighty he really is. Um, Lauren said, I am blessed with wishes. 
I have, but that are not spoken because he knows the wishes of my heart, big or small. Uh, less more than asked for oftentimes. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes we ask for little things and mighty God shows up with big things, right? We ask for a cracker and he shows up with a king cake. That's what I'm saying. Um, if you don't know what a king cake is, you need to Google that because that's, that's a whole bunch of goodness right there. Um, all right. Make sure we're good on time. How does God being your father, the everlasting father, shape the way you see yourself? Whoa. Oh, uh, yes, I have a one. <laughs> Go ahead. I think we, you talk about before uh, how it's, uh, I think, it, uh, talk about seeing like a, a problem, how you addiction, whatever you have, right? Mm -hmm. So other than that, I think it's, uh, it's for me, it's very important that even though when I'm very bad, sinner every day, God is faithful with me. Amen. Yep, that's what I. He's faithful. He is. I mean, we fail every day, any moment, any time, any second. But God is faithful. His the love. His love is. Uh, you can't imagine in my mind. We can understand how God is faithful with us. His His love. Yep. And in the chat, I I, I see that uh, he's always patient. Uh, and yeah, that, yeah, that's uh, boy. I'm glad he's always patient because I don't always deserve patience. Um, so this next question is one for you just to think about. Is it worth the fight today to live in peace forever? Yeah. Boy, sometimes today's a fight. Sometimes life is really hard. But is it worth the fight today to live in peace forever? Just something maybe to think about a little bit. And now the, the, the last two are kind of tied together. My first question was, how will you repay his great love for you? But more specifically, I'm wondering, what will you do this Christmas to celebrate Jesus specifically? I think that's a great way to repay his zeal for you, is by doing something special for him to celebrate Jesus at Christmas time. I think that's a good question for me. That's a good I learned, question. I learned something about the uh, listening uh, preaching this yesterday. He said, I don't know if you hear before, but I say, he said, yesterday was history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. So whatever you want to do today is a gift. You cannot fix past, but you don't know what happened tomorrow, but you know what happened today. You can do that many things today. Yep. Whatever you have a time. So you said, what I said is, whatever time I have now, I have to take it and then say, okay, give me, I don't know, help people, sharing the gospel, whatever. But you have to take the time now because you don't know tomorrow. So, so as we think about that, right, today is a gift for us. And so 
as I kind of move through this next slide, I want you to still be thinking, how do I, how do I give back to Jesus? Um, so you're seeing a picture there. You got Kentucky Fried Chicken, man. Harlan Sanders had a passion for business and success, so much so that he'd start a mobile business venture at the age of 65. And he ended up being successful in that business. Um, Isaiah was, was preparing Israel for the coming of the Messiah. Um, and he would tell them of this great love, this great zeal that was coming and this passion that God has for us. And while Harlan Sanders was successful in business, God has such a passion for you and I that he has uniquely prepared us for success, not in business, but in his kingdom's business. So as we think about how we're going to respond to his overwhelming love we're gonna we're gonna listen to a we're gonna listen to a song in a moment but i want you to really think about what your next steps are um because god has created this perfect plan for your life um for some of you you're standing on the other side of the bridge you don't know jesus yet you may have questions um i tell you what it's time to cross the bridge Time is short. Um, there, there isn't, there is never going to be a better time to come to faith, to give yourself over to the, to the amazing God who loves you and to accept his free gift than right now. There is never going to be a better time than right now. Um, for some of you, you're, you're already a Christian, um, you've accepted Christ, but maybe your life isn't exactly what you thought it would be. You haven't experienced this might of God. You haven't experienced these miracles. Um, I'm going to be bold and say maybe it's time for you to, to maybe consider stop, to stop focusing on the life that you have planned for yourself and really start um, praying about the plan that God has for your life. Because... Let's face it, his plan is better than your plan. His plan is so much better than my plan. Yeah. And for some of you, um, you know, you've been focused on God's plan for your life, but maybe that fire has dimmed. Maybe that zeal that you once had for your king has, has dwindled, and you need to rekindle the fire. And so for you, I want to suggest a sabbatical. Not from God, but from the world. Take some time to be alone with God. Recharge your batteries with him. Spend some time with him, just you and God. And what I'd like you to do, as you think about whether one of those paths is what God has called you to, or if God has called your next step to be something different, while we listen to this song, I want you to put in the chat where God is leading you right now. What is God asking you to do different um, over the next few days as we celebrate the birth of his son. So if you're wondering what that...
the Hyundai Tucson from the brand with more 2020 IIHS Top Safety Awards than Honda, Toyota, or Nissan. Get 0% APR for 72 months. If you're wondering what Noel means, it means to be born. Um, unto us a child was born. Unto us a child was given. A savior. And that's what that's what this Christmas is about. This Christmas is about his great love for us. Mm. Amen. Lord, thank you so much that you would send your only son. Not to not to, to make yourself something, but to give us something that we don't deserve. Lord, you would you would literally give us everything. You would literally send us the only way, the only path, the only, the only salvation, the only saving grace that there could possibly be. You would send us your son. We don't deserve it, but we thank you. And this Christmas, Lord, we celebrate you. We don't, we're not going to celebrate Christmas this year the way the world celebrates Christmas. We're going to remind the world why we celebrate Christmas and who Christmas is a celebration of. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all so very much. Um, thank you for spending time with us. Uh, I, I surely hope that you can visit with us again. Again, the, uh, the message guide is there if you want to dig in a little deeper. Um, we love you. We look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Take care. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.